You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to reflect on 2016 and make goals for 2017. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's been happening with you? You know, normal holiday season type craziness. I think we've been to three holiday potlucks in the last six days, which is a lot of holiday potlucks, but a lot of delicious food. But the main thing that has changed for me is I've been feeling really crafty. So it started because I sewed some Christmas stockings for us because we didn't have any and Andrew said that he wanted some. So I got some thrift store sweaters and sewed some Christmas stockings. And that was really fun. And then I started sort of looking around our house at other things, other sort of projects that I could do. And so I also sewed some curtains. So I'm I'm trying to convert our mini blinds, which our cat has destroyed, into Roman shades, which are the fabric kind that fold up. Mm-hmm. And I finished one completely and hung it up, and it is not looking exactly how I imagined that it would. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a little uh, floppier yep. than, than I would have hoped. As happens with crafty projects. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, a, I'm a bad project finisher, so I sort of feel like I lost steam there. And it's good enough. I mean, it covers the window. But my mom is coming on her way to her family's Christmas celebration this week. And she's a good crafting consultant in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping she has some ideas about how I can sort of rally with that project and make it come out a little bit more how I wanted it to. Nice. So Sarah, what's going on with you? Here it is very cold. So that is the main thing happening with us. This past week, there were multiple days where the high was not above 20. Oh, my gosh. And the low was in the single digits. And then the wind chill would put it in the negative temperatures. Mm. And we have not been hit with all the snow. You know, further north has been getting tons of snow. And that has not been happening here. It's just been cold, which mostly has been going okay. The worst part of it so far has been that twice now I've gone to leave the house on the bike and the cable to the derailleur has been frozen, so I can't shift gears. Oh my gosh. This happened the first time taking the kids or taking HP to preschool. And we were leaving late, as you do when you have to put on all of the winter gear, which takes so long. So we were leaving (laughs) at nine and he's supposed to be there at nine, though there is a window to get there. And... We go down the driveway and I start pedaling and I thought that maybe my chain had fallen off because it felt like that where you're you're pedaling and nothing is happening. Yes, that. And then I got off and I looked and you know my chain was not off, but I still couldn't shift. And then I figured out that the cable had frozen. So I called Neil to see if he had any brilliant suggestions from far away of what I could do. (laughs) And his response was, just be thankful that you're in your lowest gear. So (laughs) yeah, for real, (laughs) which was true because we live, our driveway is on a hill. So our bikes are always in the lowest gear whenever we're leaving. That's probably good policy. Yes. Yes. If I had not been in the lowest gear, I would have quickly uh, learned my lesson. Uh, So halfway on the way to preschool, I stopped and was able to kick it loose and then I could shift gears. But the same thing happened on the way to church this morning with just my regular bike. Neil was riding with the kids and I never was able to get it to shift until the ride home. So the whole way there, they were biking far ahead of me as I was (laughs) slowly going in first gear all the way to church. Pedaling really fast. Yep. Let's move on to our reading segment. 
This week we are going to have a special best book or books of 2016 edition. Abby, what was your favorite book that you read this year? Well, I was looking back and I use Goodreads. I know you do too, Sarah. Mm -hmm. But I was looking back because I couldn't even remember what books I read. And there was a huge gap in reading around the beginning of February to like mid-March, which is the six, first six weeks of Plum's Life. But then I actually did some some good reading. And my favorite book this year was Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. And I think you are the one who recommended it to me, Sarah. And I actually read Fangirl first, which is a related book. But I did the opposite. I read Carry On and then read Fangirl. Mm -hmm. And I think I wish that I had done it in that order because there were some surprises in Carry On that would have been more surprising if I hadn't read Fangirl first. Mm -hmm. But in any case, I really enjoyed Carry On. For listeners that haven't read it, it is essentially Harry Potter fan fiction where she has created this world really similar to J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. And she tells a fun story around the wizard and his friends. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I listened to it on audiobook. And the reader was really great. So I also use Goodreads. And I gave four books five stars this year. And Carry On was one of those. So I was really glad that you picked it to talk about because it's not the book that I picked to talk about. I would say that I didn't really realize what Carry On was when I started reading it. Mm. Like, I didn't get that it was Harry Potter fan fiction. Mm -hmm. So the first few chapters, I'm thinking, this is so similar to Harry Potter. Why is this so <laughs> similar to Harry Potter? And then after I read Fangirl, it made so much more sense. Mm. But I'm actually really glad I read it in the order that I did. Mm -hmm. And listeners, if you have not read either of those books, I recommend reading Carry On first. I would too. Yeah. For sure. And I think Carry On has more of a broad appeal where Fangirl maybe does not. Fangirl is more of a typical sort of rainbow rowl, young adult, romancy type book. Right. You know, the, the characters are college students and there is sort of a main young woman and then various love interests swirling around her. Mm -hmm. And some angst. Yeah, plenty, plenty of that. But yes, I wholeheartedly recommend Carry On as well. What was your book, Sarah? The book I picked was We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves by Karen Joy Fowler. Did you read that book also, right? I did. Okay. It's hard for me to know what to say about this book because you don't want to give too much away. Exactly. I did not know anything going into this reading experience. Me neither. And I think that made it really good. And some people in my um, in-person book club here, this was a book we'd considered picking. And a couple other members of the, the group had read it and they both knew kind of the big reveal ahead mm. of time. And I really think that would take away from the book. So I don't want to say too much but it was set in Bloomington which was really fun being a new resident here oh right to get to read about something ha that was set in my town yeah yeah I mean it has centers on the themes of ethics and research and family life and what what makes us human and what makes us family and the book made me think a lot which to me, is a sign of a very good book. Um, but it was also just really enjoyable to read and really great writing. What would you say about it without giving, giving too much away? I appreciated the depth of multiple characters. It's told in first person, I think, from the point of view of the daughter of a family protagonist. 
mm-hmm. you know, she's she's young at the beginning and then she sort of grows up as the book goes along. But I appreciated how much of a picture you got of the parents, of her brother, of the other people that she sort of comes in contact with. I felt like the characters were really rich and had depth, even if you didn't see that much of them page wise. Mm-hmm. And I, I was very surprised sort of midway through the book. Me too. And would definitely recommend that one as well. Yeah. And listeners, we would love to hear what your recommendations are and what your favorite books of 2016 were. Mm -hmm. Feel free to chime in. And if you use Goodreads, we would love to connect with you on there. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on to our topic for the day, which is the new year. But before we look ahead to 2017, let's reflect back on 2016. Abby, do you want to start by just talking about kind of the big events that shaped 2016 for you and your family? Yeah. The major event was the birth of my daughter in early February. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of 2015 was leading up to that and 2016 started pretty much with that. And then the rest of 2016 has been about the transitions of becoming a family of three and a lot of transitions in my work life. So at the beginning of 2016, I was working full time as a postdoctoral fellow at Duke. And I took a maternity leave and then I went back to work for two months and I brought the baby with me. So I took Blum to work for two months, which was so great that my work let me do it. And then my postdoc contract ended at the end of June and then I stayed home for a month and then I was a nanny full time for three months. And I've been home since then and doing writing and starting this podcast and doing a ton of parenting and enjoying a lot of that, but also really feeling those transitions really strongly. It's really different to go to being employed full time and to only have to worry about yourself and to have lots of time alone Mm -hmm. to being pretty much responsible for another person 24-7. So this year has been really all about that and how my self-concept has been involved in whether I work or parent and in just really enjoying watching my kid grow and seeing who she is. Yeah. So I don't have anything that big that happened in 2016. For our family, the biggest thing was looking for and buying a house. So moving into this house was our eighth move in eight years. And that wasn't always moving cities, but moving from rentals to a house that we owned, to back to renting in Austin, to a rental here, grad school, in between grad school, etc. It's felt really momentous moving this time that hopefully it will be the place where we are for the next eight years, mm-hmm. as opposed to constantly being in transition. And as you know, the home buying process was very stressful at times Mm -hmm. and just trying to find something that matched what we wanted. Um, But we were also fairly constricted in terms of time. And so trying to figure out, is this the perfect thing or is something better going to come along? Do we need to take this now or should we wait? And trying to balance all of those things was a lot. Also going to showings with two young children was (laughs) often very stressful (laughs) so yep um but we did it and we're settled in and so that's been feeling really good just to feel settled in our house and more settled here in Bloomington 
The last few years, I think you and I have both chosen sort of a word or theme of the year to help guide us as we're thinking about the new year and thinking of goals we want to have and what we want to have happen. So can you go ahead and talk about how you came to that and what your process is for thinking ahead to the new year? So I was looking back in my blog to remember when I started to choose a word. And the first reference to it that I could find was in 2012, in the new year of 2012, when I chose a word for that year. And that's a that's a pretty long time ago. And I have no recollection of why I did that. My guess is that somebody whose blog that I was reading was doing it, and that sounded like a good idea to me. Mm-hmm. But Andrew and I also have a new year tradition where he and I make sort of a vision board, but we use like cardstock circles mm-hmm. and we we write our visions for different areas of our lives on there. And we do that around the new year every year. And we, he and I each choose a word for our own year. And sometimes we choose a word for different areas of our life. So I do one for me, he does one for him. Then together we do sort of a house and home circle, a money circle, and a relationship circle. So about our relationship. And then last year, we also did one for Plum, even though we hadn't met her yet. But we we just left the middle blank Mm -hmm. when we didn't know if she was going to be a boy or a girl. And then wrote things that we would wish for her year, no matter who she was, just sort of general baby things like that she would be good at breastfeeding and be good at sleeping, <laughs> things like that. Okay, so it really was goals for her, not goals around parenting. Yeah, I had parenting goals on mine. Okay. And we had parenting goals on our both circle, mm-hmm. like our relationship one together, like things that we wanted to do kind of as a family. Mm-hmm. But no, they were for her. So we have done that for at least as long as I've been blogging about choosing a word. And so I think they probably came in around the same time. So I started in 2012 and I've picked a word every year since then. And I was looking back through and I couldn't find a word for 2014. Mm-hmm. I, d- I have no idea what it was. But when I was looking back over my words, I thought, yeah, these these actually did pretty well. And my word for 2016 was presence. Mm-hmm. I chose it because I wanted to be really present with everything that was happening. I wanted to be really mindful and present in parenting. I wanted to be really mindful about all the transitions that I knew that I was going to undergo. I wanted to be present for Andrew, both as a support, but also, you know, as a co-parent and spouse and be present in our relationship as I knew that it would be shifting. And I actually, I feel great about that as a word choice because I don't think it was an overreach. I think it's easy when you're picking a word for the year to make it like a typical New Year's resolution that's going to be hard to keep. Yeah, like it's aspirational as opposed to based in reality. Yes, absolutely. But I think presence was was the right thing because it was a low enough bar that I could at least aim for it. But it was challenging enough that it still felt like something worth striving for. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with that. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, so I was looking back on my blog also to try and see what words I'd done in the past. Because I remember doing one for 2015, and I picked one for 2016. But I couldn't find something earlier than that. So 2015 might have been the first time um, that I chose a word. And in 2015, I, I guess I picked a phrase. It was this moment, which was very similar to what you're describing with presence. 
Absolutely. And it was, I was a couple months in, not even, less than two months into parenting two children. And I mm-hmm. just knew we were going to be doing a lot of transitions. That's also the year that Neil was job searching and we ended up moving to Indiana. I had never even been to Bloomington before we moved here. <laughs> oh, I forgot that. Yeah. There's just a lot going on. We sold our house that year. Really, the big thing adjusting to having two kids. There's a lot of big things that year. And I, Mm-hmm. knew that going into it. And I really did come back to that idea of this is where I am and and that it was really hard and also letting that be a part of it, that this moment sometimes was really hard and I had a crying baby and I had an upset toddler and Neil would be working late or he'd be traveling mm-hmm. to go to an interview and I wanted to cry too and I was exhausted, but also that that was this moment There will be other moments later and they won't be like this. This moment will end. And just Mm -hmm. keeping that in mind really helped me that year. In 2016, I chose the word create and that was very aspirational. (laughs) So (laughs) I did not have a lot of success with that word. And I think the problem was I was reaching too quickly for a future that was not there. And I felt that things were getting easier with having two kids and that has definitely been true. There have been big shifts for us this last year and just lots of things are feeling easier. But I was still tired a lot of the year, still not getting enough sleep, still feeling overwhelmed, just parenting and doing our life that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had the time and mental space to create. I think some people are very good at incorporating their creative life even in those really challenging times. And I don't want to say that I did not have the time to do it because that is not true. But the things that would really fill me up are things like reading books and going to sleep early and sitting around talking to my husband. Mm -hmm. Not that I wouldn't have been fulfilled if I was pursuing creative projects more, but I don't feel I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel bad that it didn't happen. I just wish I would have been more honest with myself when I was choosing that, that this probably wasn't the year to make that my overarching focus. And Mm. that I would have done better to go back to something um, closer to this moment. At the same time, we created a podcast. It's true. This has been my biggest creative project this year. And there was a really good section there from July to August where I was writing regularly. So there were moments of creativity. So I don't want to say that I wasn't including it at all in my life. But when I had spare moments, I wasn't saying, "Okay, what can I do to create? I was saying, "Okay, I'm ready to rest. Maybe rest would have been a better word for me in 2016. Hmm. Let's start our discussion of 2017 by looking ahead and talking about what we know is coming in that year. So for me, the big things that are going to be happening are HP is going to start full-time kindergarten in August and E will be starting preschool. So this will be the first time that I have two children in school. And currently, I do still get a chunk of time to myself because E can go to childcare at the gym while HP is in preschool. But this will be the first time that I can just drop kids off and then leave to go do something completely different. Especially HP starting kindergarten feels like a big deal that right now he's only in preschool three mornings a week and then he'll be going full time. It's a lot of hours of the day. And is full time eight to three Here, I think it's more like nine to four, Okay, but still that many hours. And I think he'll thrive. I think he's ready for it, but it'll just be a big shift. 
So as I was thinking about what word I wanted to choose, I was thinking about how the front half of the year is really going to look really different from the second half. And in some ways, it feels like the second half we're going to have, or I am going to have more free time. It also feels like that's just going to be a big transition for our family. And it's probably going to take us a while once that starts to find our new normal and find our rhythm and figure all of that out together. Big changes. Yeah. How about you? So it's not clear yet what our our year is going to look like. And we know for sure a couple of things in terms of, you know, family visiting, but none of those feel big on the scale of like starting kindergarten. It's it's possible that work w- will shift again for me and then childcare will need to shift for Plum, but it's it's not clear what that will look like. And I also don't have a lot of clarity on what I want there. I'm pretty happy with being home most of the time. And I've really enjoyed getting to do some writing assignments, science writing assignments over the past few months. And I would love to do more of that. I also really enjoy leading science communication workshops. So workshops helping scientists learn to talk about their work. Mm-hmm. And I would love to do more of that, but I don't have a lot of clarity about moving forward toward those things. And it feels so important to me right now to really just be present with Plum because she's only this little once and she is changing so fast. And I think about whether I would want to send her to childcare, even part time. And at this point, I still don't. I definitely hit days where. I just want to get out of the house and be by myself. But those days are much fewer than the days that I'm really just thankful that we are making this work, even though it has been a little bit tough financially. And it has been a big change in terms of my self-concept, like I mentioned before. I don't see myself going out in 2017 and getting a full-time job. And probably with Andrew's work, he's probably where he is at least through this year and probably for several more after that. So maybe not transitions there either, but there are always surprises. Yep. We'll see what comes. So knowing that, what word did you choose for 2017? I got this idea from Plum's pediatrician. And the last time we went, which was Plum's nine-month visit, she said, she is just thriving, Mm -hmm. which was so kind. I mean, so nice to say that to a new mom and for it to be true. Just really wonderful. Yeah. So my word for 2017 is thrive. I mean it in terms of the ways that I'm supporting Plum. I mean it in terms of me thriving in my many roles, you know, as a mom and as a writer and podcaster and spouse and friend Mm -hmm. and in whatever other work and creative projects come my way. I would love to thrive in all of those. It's aspirational, certainly. It feels more aspirational than presence, for instance, but I think that is definitely within reach. What word did you choose, Sarah? I was deciding between two different words. The first word I was considering was action. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that, honestly, in light of the election, I have just been really feeling like it's not enough to talk. It's not enough to think things. We have to do things and wanting to carry that with me and not to become complacent. Mm -hmm. So that was my reasoning behind wanting action. 
Um, but the word I think I'm going to choose is default. Hmm. I chose this thinking that it's really hard when you are wanting to change what you're doing. And I want my defaults to be different. You know, mm. I want my default when I have a few extra minutes to be to pick up my book or to sit in silence, not to reach for my phone and scroll through Instagram. You know, I want my default in the evening to be to stop and connect with Neil and play a game together, as opposed to just immediately going off into our own separate spheres. I want my default with my kids to be really present with them instead of constantly trying to get other stuff done. And you know, I want my default to be to being a generous person and a person who does act on what I believe and take steps in that direction. So I do think that action can be incorporated in that. Mm -hmm. So when I was contemplating what word I wanted to do, I was looking through old blog posts, as we said earlier. And one of the ones that I wrote in early 2013 was about mantras. Mm. And it was based on an article you had sent me about identity-based habits. And it's the idea of saying, I am a person who. And so I think that's where this idea of default comes into me, too. I want to be a person who writes. I want to be a person who is present with my children. I want to be a person who reads and just thinking of it in that way. Did you read Gretchen Rubin's Habit book? Better than before. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, is that concept from there? Was that article by Gretchen Rubin? Because it's very similar to things that she's talking about in that book, even if it wasn't from her specifically. Yeah. This one was not from her um, because this was back in, before the book was written for sure. And the website, because I went back to the old article and it was from somebody named James Clear. I'll link to, link to the article that I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. I think Gretchen Rubin talks about that a lot Mm -hmm. and that the power of habit is that you don't have to think about things anymore. It's just what you do, that you're not constantly trying to eat healthy. You're a person who eats healthy. And once you make it your habit or your default, it removes that mental space that you had spent making a choice every time. Mm -hmm. But I think that all goes together. The idea of habit, the idea of default, of being a certain kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I went through and made some specific lists for me of the defaults I want to have in my family life and in my personal life and in my parenting and um, the kind of person that I am in our community and just thinking of specific steps I can take to do that. Hmm. Abby, do you have any specific goals or things that you want to accomplish this year? Yeah, I sort of alluded to this before that I love doing the science communication training for scientists. And I would just love to explore ways to do more of that. That was my very favorite thing about my postdoc at Duke was that I got to do that kind of work. I got to design courses for graduate students. I was invited to speak at workshops about, you know, how to do a better job communicating your science. And I feel like it's only going to become more important given the current political climate that we have respectful discourse that's based in scientific fact. But I think that that's going to be super challenging. So I would love to connect with more people who are doing that kind of work. I would love to find more places where I could do that kind of work. Listeners, if you know of anyone who needs someone to facilitate science communication workshops, send them my way. It's work that I really love. And so this year, I'd really like to explore specifically how I can make that happen. And I don't have sort of a line by line list about how I'll do it. But I'm excited over the next few months to be thinking about that more. Yeah. 
So Abby, you know that I have been working on getting a website started for families who use bicycling and walking as primary forms of transportation. Yes. And I am hoping to get that off the ground early in the new year. So I don't think I have mentioned on the podcast, but Neil and I don't own a car, which may have become obvious from our life lately statement about why we're biking in freezing temperatures. (laughs) But one thing that I really wish that I had had more resources early on, especially once we had kids, about how to make it work, having a family without having a car. So I'm hoping to provide some of those resources for other families. Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit more about what your site will be like? Like, will it be mostly articles written by you or links to resources? Or what are you envisioning? I'm envisioning it um, sharing a lot of our personal experiences and what has worked for us, and then also pointing toward resources that we have found really useful. Neat. I'm excited to, to see it when it's launched. Thanks. The other thing that I am really excited about in the new year, specifically related to our podcast, is to keep it going. We've just had such fun responses to it from people that are listening, people that we know in real life, and also people that are internet friends that we've met online. And it's just been really fun, Sarah, to do this with you. Yes, I feel the same. It's great to be working with somebody else because you and I are both very deadline driven. And we sure will do something when we are accountable to each other. But it's much harder to, at least for me, I won't speak for you. It's harder to do my own creative work. Yes. On that note, Let's move on to what we've been eating lately. I'll go ahead and start, as I know that this is a food that you enjoy eating on a regular basis. Ooh! So I have started making steel-cut oats in the Instant Pot again. Our family are big oat eaters. Usually we just have the rolled oats, and it's something that Neil has for breakfast every morning, and he's usually in charge of the kids' breakfast because he just makes it at the same time that he does his. Mm Mm-hmm. But on the weekends, I'm usually the one who's up early with the kids and then they want their breakfast, even though Neil is not there to prepare it for them. And so this weekend, I decided to actually make steel cut oats instead of just doing the rolled oats. And it was really delicious. And I think we're going to start doing that again more often. I love steel cut oats. Did you ever try and make them before you had a slow cooker or an instant pot or not? I have burnt them on the stove once. Okay. I have burnt them as well. It takes a really long time to cook them on the stove. And then if you turn up the heat, then you burn burn them. them. (laughs) Yes. One time I had a book club come over to my house and that is what I had made was burnt steel cut oats. Bless their heart. (laughs) Did they eat them? They ate it. They were so nice, but they tasted like charcoal. It was disgusting. That is what happens. Instant pot again for the win. Right. So I did mine this time with... um, just cooking the oats, water, and a little bit of salt, and that's how I cook it. And then added coconut milk, cinnamon, apples, and chia seeds. Mm. And then I put nuts on top as well. So it feels very hearty and was really easy. I was also going to talk about a breakfast food, which are breakfast sandwiches. And this sounds fancy. I mean, you've had a fancy breakfast sandwich at a restaurant, but what we do is just make a grilled cheese and put a fried egg in it and eat that for breakfast. And it's been really delicious. We got unexpected cheddar cheese from Trader Joe's, which is a very salty, very crumbly, I think sort of in an English style cheddar and then sourdough bread. And so we 
butter the heck out of the bread and make the grilled cheese. And after I flip the grilled cheese the second time, then I fry the eggs so that they're still a little bit runny when I put them in. So then I open the grilled cheese up and put the eggs in. It's a really good, really delicious breakfast. Mm, That sounds really good. It reminds me of a breakfast sandwich that I used to get while we were in college at the little cafe down the street. And it had the egg and the cheese just like you're describing, but it also had cream cheese and honey Mm. and I think raw onion as well. But that honey added to it just really hit the spot. I don't think I ever had that, but that does sound amazing. Something to think of adding. We've been putting garlic aioli on it, which we get from our favorite burger place here. They make a roasted garlic aioli in-house and we always ask for extra when we get french fries and then we um save it in our butter thing on our fridge so that we can pull it out and put it on grilled cheeses so that's pretty amazing but I like the idea of getting a slightly sweet thing in there because it's a pretty savory already I highly recommend it yum I think that's all for this episode of friendlier it's been great talking with you Sarah and with all of you listeners Listeners, if you want to help us out and help other people find the show, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join in the conversation or offer suggestions for future topics, you can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. We haven't missed a deadline yet, so we've made, we've almost made four. (laughs) Pat yourself on the back. May it continue into 2017. (laughs) All right. On that note, I think we'll, (laughs) sorry. What's happening? My my microphone's moving away from me. (laughs) I think I was stepping on the cord and it was like slowly going like this. (laughs) On that note, let's move on to what we've been... (laughs) I was really doing it that time and then I looked at your picture. (laughs) I'm sorry you don't look at me. Are you ready to talk about what you're eating? I don't know. (laughs) We, We can take a break for a second.